you need to make a clickbait title for this. It, it's like, <laughs> I talked to lawyer about virus apocalypse. <laughs> click here to find out what happens next. Yeah. No, no, it's not click here what happens next. <laughs> it, it, it goes something like this. It goes, um, a failed podcaster has conversation about lawyer talking about the, uh, <laughs> the corona apocalypse. What happens next will shock you. Click here. Porn banner, porn banner, porn banner, porn banner. We've come to embrace the term social distancing from the Centers for Disease Control. That means avoiding group gatherings plus crowded subways and buses. Social distancing in action. Social distancing. Social distancing. Social distancing. The new coronavirus buzz phrase. Yes, the buzz phrase of the moment is social distancing, also known as don't breathe on me, bitch. Adios and Valconils. Yeah, I'm leaving GA. And if it weren't for Kilo. We've got a retard in office. I, and and I, I, do, I don't. I don't How dare you that. insult like, the president? I, I go to jail when I think that there's. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And and I and I love crazy rich Asians. <laughs> Controversy creates clicks. I guess. What's going on, EW Beers? This is your host Emil Wang, and welcome to part one of the series, social distancing. The series where I catch up with my friends as this world unravels into chaos. Starting with a very familiar voice, Mr. Jeffrey Liu. How are you? Hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> hanging in there, hanging in there. Dude, how's uh, how are things down in Arcadia? I, you know, it's so quiet. Uh, I don't know how the suburbs are in your neck of the woods, but, you know, they already tend to be, uh, tend to be pretty quiet, like, um, in the evenings and everything. It's a ghost town where I live right now, man. Like, with the exception of, like, the gas stations and the supermarkets, no other like real businesses are open right now. It's it's really kind of a an awkward sight. It 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 kind of feels a little bit like the day after Christmas, but uh, with none of the nostalgia and like good feelings to follow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, quite spooky. the opposite. Spooky. Yeah, you know what's funny is that you know Seattle or the Seattle area was kind of patient patient zero for for the uh, for the United States and actually the the first patient that passed away was uh treated at the hospital that A Michelle works at and B Davis uh baby Davis was born at so right. it, it it does hit close to home but that being said you know you, you stroll out outside you know it's not not like people are out playing or whatever but there are still a good amount of people out and about it, it's not the there isn't we're not at that breaking point of tension yet where you know people are like putting up shutters or like you know boarding up windows so other people can't see inside and see you know how much how much rice they have left um, <laughs> so but you know we're everyone's cautious and you know it, for the most part when you go to Costco and grocery stores people are pretty tame um yeah. I, I think that I think that might be a little bit because you guys were the first ones hit, though, right? Like your initial panic has—I I don't know—is subsided is the correct word, but um, you've already gone through it, right? Well, uh, the majority of the first round of people that passed were all from a, a nursing home, 
right? And right. for us, you know, we're for it's fucked up, but we're always of the attitude that well, they're old. You know, they there's a term for this called early harvesting, apparently, and it's just whenever whenever these semi-potent viruses come through, it's just people that were on their way out anyway yeah exactly um so that was kind of the attitude in the beginning uh but now i I think the attitude's changed a little bit you know especially with you know work essentially shutting down and telling everyone to work from home but yeah the overall attitude is still people are cautious but it's not panic it's not like new york city for what you're seeing where people have to like ration you know flour and rice and things like that I, I kind of wanted to talk about like the the hoarders too. Like I don't know if you've uh, seen some of the posts, but there's like people that went to like three different states to pick up Purell and I like saw that. toilet paper and, and disinfecting wipes. Yeah, dude, that ah, man. Well, those guys. Like, I mean, those guys did that with the intention to sell it on Amazon or something or to eBay. gouge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. they yeah, um, yeah, they got blocked from it. So. Now they're sitting around with, you know, uh, like a storage units full of Purell that they can't do anything with. And, you know, what? fuck them. Serves them right. Like that's not... Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> but I'm curious uh, from your standpoint, since, you know, you're expecting, uh, how does that hit home? So it's kind of an odd um, situation right now because the stats haven't come back on pregnant people or on kids yet. So... It's kind. Of, it's kind of a weird little pocket because, even though technically there haven't been any pregnancy uh, people who have like experienced complications and um, from the coronavirus, and there also haven't been any kids that have died from the coronavirus, and there's some like early speculation it may not affect kids as heavily unless they have like respiratory conditions. But there's nothing really to justify that except that no cases have been reported yet. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I I took basic um, statistics and basic biology, and I feel as though we're still kind of in the early reporting stages of this. So I've been encouraging, you know, Leslie to not go to work. <laughs> she's still going to work? Um, because she's, she's like, she's still going to work, man. It's her own business. It's, yeah. uh, it's kind of a tenuous situation right now, you know? And, uh, you know, there are people who are coming in and if it's not coronavirus, then it could potentially still be the flu because we're still in the midst of like a pretty serious flu season as well. So, you know, I I don't know really how to react to that. Um, I know that they're like people who are doing kind of just like base level risk assessments like, oh, make sure that, you know, if you're an older person or have respiratory issues, don't have those people go to work. But, you know, if you're pregnant, they really are kind of just making the risk assessment based on the data that's available right now. And I think that's kind of a, I don't know, I I think that's a little bit of a risky position to take right now. Um, yeah, definitely. And I was going to say the uh, kind of part two of the the social distancing uh, series will be talking to hopefully George, uh, George Wu, who's a biostatistician and probably sh- shed more light on right, these exactly. sort of things. Um, it is interesting how how little information we have. And because we have little information on it, like because we have little information on it, we've approached it in a way that, yeah, just carry on as normal. And even even though we've reached this tipping point where it's like a, a pandemic, there's still not a strong stance that says, hey, you UMFers that are pregnant, like, you have to do this. 
but I mean, I, I mean, frankly speaking, can you are, are you surprised? Like, I, I, I try not to get political on on your thing, but like we we've got a retard in office, I, and I, I, do, I don't, I don't. How dare that. you insult like, the president? I, I, I genuinely for. think that there's. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How dare you insult my, the president I voted for? Controversy how, creates clicks, I guess. And and I and I love crazy rich Asians. You know, you know what I'm saying. Like, um, it's like it's kind of similar to the uh, I want to I want to say like NRA issues, mm-hmm. like because the NRA is in the pocket of so many politicians, we don't have death statistics based off stuff of like gun abuse or whether or not there's any sort of illness associated with like abuse of guns. I feel so the parallels with that and kind of the avoidance of information that um, this administration has been looking at. I mean, that that's, that's kind of a huge thing, isn't it? Like they wanted, they wanted to keep the numbers down or not to report certain things because we're in an election cycle. You know, I want to think that like, even if, you you would face some bad press for this that you would still at least attempt to Do protect the, right the public if if it's in the public good. But I, I yeah I I just don't think that that's in I don't think that's in their interest right now, which is like baffling to me that that we're we're like what at least a month and a half into this thing and we still don't really have like a good sense of how bad it is. You know, like I I, I get news updates almost on a daily basis on like, oh yeah, we don't know how the testing is going to go because something, something defective kits or something, something lack of implementation. It's a little bit frightening that this, it, it kind of seemed like a movie where there's like a scientist going like, listen, you know, like the whole world's going to go to shit. And then, and then there's like some, there's some you know official over there saying like oh no everything's gonna be fine and then when you're watching the movie you're just kind of like oh you know like what a stupid president <laughs> now we're like living a movie you know like we, we always think in the movies like how can a person act so dumb and right now we're just like oh shoot like <laughs> you know like this is actually how it's going right now we're we're, we're turning into the plot of a hollywood movie <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. And to your point, I, th- I think it, it's fair to say that maybe that the sharing of information is limited because of, you know, who's who's paying, you know, who's election campaigns. Right. And, you know, who are the big dollar people? Um, you know, the, the NBA season being suspended, you know, just earlier this week is, is baffling to me that that should have been done a long time ago if we were already putting out the word social, like this term social distancing. And, you know, the, the bottom line is it's, it's numbers and, you know, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later uh, on this pod when we talk, you know, force, uh, force majeure and acts of God or whatever. Um, but, but I did want to talk about it a little bit more as um, kind of on the home front in the sense that, uh, well, first of all, personally, um, you know, we have an infant at home and it really hasn't changed us too much because Michelle was doing maternity leave anyway. Um, she wasn't already, like right. she's already not really leaving the house and that this just makes it a little bit easier to right. have an excuse not to. Um, I'm kind of the only one that's leaving the house right, right now to, and putting us at risk and, you know, trying to, <sighs> trying to yeah, limit, mitigate the, the risk as much as possible. And it helps that we have wives in pharmacy who, who are pharmacists who, you know, are kind of 
have that that culture of cleanliness you know burnt inside of them that you know things generally right. are pretty clean here which is yeah which is good um but one thing i did want to talk about is kind of this this uptick in racism towards asians and you know especially in the at the age of social media we're seeing a lot of people post about you know all these you know these these racist things that are happening to uh, Asian Americans and um, or not just Asian Americans. I mean, Asians all over the world, right? It's happened in the UK and it's happened in um, you know Australia. Uh, I personally haven't yeah. experienced it yet, and you know I think that's credit to living where I am. Um, I don't doubt that these things have happened, uh, and truly, there, there are some really remarkable right. stories of people, you know, stepping up and defending you know asian americans that are getting harassed you know the guardian angels for um you know some of the sometimes some of the questionable things they do it, it is cool that they've you know kind of right. gone around and escorted people around chinatown and you know even just everyday people that are riding the subway you know that there's videos of people um that have stood up and you know kind of helped protect uh the older asians that are being persecuted and, and all of that is very very remarkable and i laud those people what, what i think or what i'm worried about in, in this age of social media is kind of this influx of you know people posting about oh you know that this this terrible thing happened to me you know like oh my god this old white person who's wearing a maga hat you know said something racist in the yeah. sense that, like, it, it's good. I don't say it's good, but it, it's important to know that this is going on. I, I, I think it put ev- puts everyone's guard up because we should be, you know, watching out for the crazies. But what's bizarre to me is that people are talking about this as if they're shocked that, <laughs> like, a MAGA wearing, a MAGA hat wearing person, or like. You know, this crazy dude on the subway with his life belonging sitting next to him would, would be saying things like that. And the shock that comes out of this is concerning to me because, <laughs> like, what you mean to tell me that you're surprised that people like this are doing these things. What that shows me is that you <laughs> had no empathy for everything else that was going on that's been going on for the past three years and i don't want to say just past three years for you know for a very long time in the united states and only now does it really bother you that people are like this are you are you so i got a little bit confused at the beginning on where you were going but are you talking about like non-asian people like finally coming to this realization <laughs> no i'm talking about asian people like i was people. like no asians asians didn't see you about this <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing it, it's it's a thing that's been going on for a while but it just some of these posts are are written in a way to but that's that's to spark outrage right it, it, a lot of this is just written to aggregate and, right. and get yeah. people to turn more against you know all the, the i want to say the people on the other side which like what purpose does that bring we already we should already know this right i mean <laughs> you kind of said it right like uh people are after the clinks man like i know you and i have a mutual associate uh who has recently been posting some bullshit <laughs> online about how 
Oh, God, you know, like, people need to be more aware and, like, oh, my God, you know. I I mean, and and that's kind of what I thought you were talking about when people go on social media and talk about other, like, what other people have gone through and have no personal, like, experience as to it, but are trying to pass it off as their own. I'm sure by your slight giggles that you know exactly who I'm talking about. Oh, well, but I've unfollowed that I mean, person, that, so, a... but now that you say it, I know exactly Oh, you don't you're... know. Oh. oh, God, it's beautiful. It's like a beautiful thing. And, like, I, I think it's because you choose not to look at things that are infuriating because, it, you know, it, 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 like, well, Leslie has told me that why do you waste your energy on this sort of <laughs> stuff? It's because I think it me a glimpse onto how how people actually are true it really does you know true. you know like if if you get on and you see this stupid guy <laughs> or uh, whatever like just stupid. people who are like that <laughs> and they no, no, i mean it, it's like it's it's reactionary it's attention seeking it's a bunch of big you know babies online yeah um you know so, i mean you you know that we're not doing this for attention because i mean look at our viewership you know <laughs> <laughs> hey on a good episode so it cracked 20 bitch <laughs> yeah dude i don't know no, i feel, feel but i mean you know what i'm saying though yeah, right totally. like this is this is um like it conflicts the existing issues yeah. Because it, it it like you know if people are complaining about some like stupid stuff like you know and and people are compelled to like oh my god I can't believe that happened to your friend comment like face blah 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 Pretty blah sure. yeah. and that's kind of the state of uh, what we're in right now you know it's it's absolutely ridiculous that we have to deal with this and it really takes away from things that actually happen to one like you know people or another i know this i went to a supermarket yesterday and me inside i nobody really like you know um like like uh, did anything racist towards me um and i didn't feel as though i should be looking out for it you know like, I, I don't need that level of social danger awareness i don't i mean i really don't know how else to put it because i unless i'm really presented with it um then you know like why waste your energy thinking about it sort of thing you know it's 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 not something that i feel is important or prevalent enough to me that uh like on a daily basis. I mean, I'm sure some of it is like, like I'm sure there's a lot of people low key in their head. It's like, Oh God, you know, there's that Chinese dude, um, you know, like stay away from him. But you know, I was standing at the meat case waiting, you know, there was a lady that, uh, that I had a conversation with about how, how ridiculous the whole thing was anyways. I I don't know. I mean, it it might have a matter of like, yeah, exactly. You know, like, uh, but we have it together, and that's what's important. <laughs> exactly, we're in this together. I think that there's just like brittle, brittle people there, and I think a lot of people's like surprise that this is happening is, yeah, it's it's exactly what you say. It's not necessarily a lack of empathy. It's a it's attention seeking. You know, like mm-hmm. even if you didn't know this, why would you put it on social media, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't be an idiot. Like, figure it out and 
move on, you know? <laughs> you being like like blasted away by this thing happening isn't changing anything. It's not I think it just widens the gap, right? And and why are we wasting our energy getting mad about something that really we should already be mad about and aggregating, you know, a story of uh, you know, some person getting yelled at by some crazy homeless dude. That that does no good for you know what <laughs> what we're trying to accomplish here. And, and on top of that, you know, as a result of all of this comes you know a, a niche group of people who want to post their stories of how they've handled racism with comedy. And, and I saw this the other day, and I, I I wanted to fucking slit my throat because this guy posted. <laughs> or not, I, this guy shared this thinking that this was hilarious. Okay, let me read this. An older woman in front of me demanded her drink get remade because her barista was Asian. When I tried to inform her how irrational that request was, she turned around and sneered, Are you Chinese? I replied, No, but your ugly ass knockoff purses. Shut your racist asses up. 60,000 retweets, oh 400,000 likes. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, first of all, how is that funny? Like, I, I would like to think of myself as a comedy snob because, you know, I, I did stand-up comedy, so, you know, I know how a joke is written. But, like, outside of that, yeah, yeah. like, how is that funny? Like, where is where is the irony in this? I mean, the bag wasn't made during this coronavirus pandemic. No, it's, be- it's because you don't, it's because you don't, you don't do woke humor, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... You're not woke, yeah, you know? Like, yeah, this, this dude is totally woke. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, right? It's call-out it's call out culture. It's cancel culture. I, and, you know, like, I... I am the first. I, I am. I'm the first person to come to the defense of anybody who like is actually the victim of like racism. But this, I, I feel as though again, this is just some guy out there being like, "Look at me, I'm defending people." Or dur, 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 dur. It, it, like it's like I am thoroughly annoyed by these sorts of people. Yeah, and to my point of comedy, and, and it's really specifically when situations like these arise, where you know people feel like they're being oppressed. Everyone feels like they're combating these issues with comedy slash like mic drop moments, right? And let me tell you something. Like yeah. I instantly lose respect for somebody who's trying to tell me like a funny story that ends with like a mic drop moment and then and like that's it. They walked away. Like what what if this story actually ended differently? Like what if the lady was like yeah, one of your like you know, six-year-old cousins uh, made this for me while they were in a in a factory working twenty hours a day. Like that would be really funny. <laughs> like fucked up, but like it'd be funny to me if she responded that way. And like, and then what happened? Right. The the situation itself would be really funny because, but, like, well, he he supposedly had this mic drop moment, but then she just one upped him. So so then what happened? But then you edit that out. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, exactly. Like. <laughs> Also, what pisses me off you're about just, people telling see, jokes, trying... <laughs> or just tell like telling stories in general that end in these like mic drop moments, and I'm like, okay. And then I told Emil that he was being too sensitive <laughs> to stop being a snowflake. Ah. All right, I'm done. I'm <laughs> I mean, done but, with th- it. but that's the whole thing. Like, yeah. No, no, no. Because like you're trying to control the narrative too, to an extent, because like the narrative for you doesn't work. It, you know, like it just 
it's it's unsatisfactory the way that things are going right now. Is that yeah, fair? Like I, fair. I I think that's I think that's ultimately what you're getting at, right? Yeah. Like the the status of it is there are racist people out there, and if you if there if you actually experienced racism, that sucks. But you know, like uh, if you are out there being a fucking like crusader or whatever, you know, just do it quietly. You know, don't be there and like tell the story about how you saved some person, you know, um, it, because that it, it just seems like, like self-promotion, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we are in the era of relentless self-promotion. You like me don't enjoy that at all. It's okay. Shut up. So we can continue recording our podcast and post it on Facebook. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. And then I walked away. Because the view wasn't being sensitive enough. Mic drop. Mic drop. I mean, how many likes do you think that would get, Jeff Liu? <laughs> By the way, I posted something really funny, I thought, the other day, and I got no likes. I was, I was really disappointed. And, and did, you my, <laughs> did you see my Bruce Lee joke? Did you see my Bruce Lee joke? Oh, my God. I thought it was genius. You've taught, you've said that. No, I, 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 it's a play play on the original one before the, like, what's Bruce Lee's favorite drink? It's water. So how does Bruce Lee slay vampires? It's with a holy water. All right, fine. Fine. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. I told you. You think you're a comedy snob? (laughs) I I think that's derivative. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fuck you. Mic drop. Um, Okay, well, for those of you who actually wanted to learn something today, I did want to ask Jeff Liu, the lawyer, about uh, something really interesting that's that's come up. This this term, uh, God, I'm not even sure if I'm going to say it right, force majeure. So it's a clause that's written in a lot of contracts, whether it's between, you know, contractor and client, um, sometimes between, you know, I think, employees and, and their companies that talks about acts of God preventing the delivery of services. So one thing I was curious about is how does this affect the big picture, right? This this clause of force majeure, how does that affect tech, construction, uh, or even the media, like the, the, like the NBA? I mean, it, it kind of depends. So force majeure, it's one of those things that doesn't happen often enough that uh, normal contracts are really affected by it. The, the times that you generally seem to uh, tend to see it is when you get like earthquake, tornado, typhoon, that sort of thing. And it generally uh, affects only things that happen domestically uh, because that way you can enforce the definition of it. So when you get something like force majeure, it's kind of up to the jurisdiction that you're in. And pandemic i don't know if that qualifies in in a lot of different senses because it, it, it technically can be argued to be a force of god but i don't know that there's precedent and um onto it because there has never been a pandemic uh you know in in our lifetime i mean the last pandemic really occurred i think 1918 was the last one yeah. and i don't know that contract law was developed and comes that like uh with sufficient frequency that you can look there and be like oh you know that's force majeure it's a very very uh clear-cut example of it you know like if you have an earthquake and like all of your warehouses get 
like eaten up in a sinkhole or something like that. That's, I mean, you, you could argue that it's a jour. I think quite a bit of litigation in the next couple of years, like for the next two to three years, to figure out whether or not it qualifies because it just doesn't seem to right now. Um, and, and I mean, I am not as well versed on, you know, if we get China, and, you know, you're looking at the enforceability of the contract and whatnot. I'm not sure sure whether or not that sort of thing has been litigated because I feel as though that is much more much more common, like the H1N1 stuff and then the um, SARS stuff. Like um, those those all occurred uh, in Asian countries primarily, and but they didn't have that much of a disruption on the supply chain. And a lot of times, see, I mean, like you got you got to understand that a lot of this is just like, okay, this happened. Somebody's got to take responsibility. Somebody's got to take liability for it because a, a delivery got missed or something, right? Not many people are going to go through the time, effort, and money that it would take to litigate this to a particular spot. Like, oh, you know, the lower courts said that disease was force majeure, and I disagree with that, so I'm going to appeal it because that's another – Two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars worth of, of legal costs and force majeure. I mean, like if the, knowing that it's that it's there and enforcing it are two completely different things, um, because enforcing it actually costs a lot of money. You know, because you would have to go out, you would have to figure out like, hey, you know, uh, they blew this deadline. My insurance isn't going to cover it. Like, I want to bring this lawsuit. What's my next step? And the next step usually is. I'm going to go talk to an attorney and we're going to settle this because it's too expensive to take this to court and or otherwise, you know? So like there's a lot of different stuff that happens, happens on it. Um, if you get somebody who's really, you know, has the resources to go forward and enforce it, um, I mean, you're just always in a better position, but it's just one more thing that a, that a party can use to assert that they deserve more money on the back end of it. It's written to protect clients, not like it's a clause that helps the client or it helps the contractor or it kind of helps. It, it can help both ways because the way I'm thinking about it is from construction, right? So it, there is this pandemic now and it might slow down construction. So the contractor is not going to deliver the building on time. So when the owner right comes back and sues them for not delivering on time, um, does force majeure help the client's uh, the contractor's case or does it help the client's case use force majeure it, it just it, it depends on how they define it you know mm -hmm. like the 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 contractor is going to say yes yes listen force majeure affected our supply chain that and that's why we couldn't get the project finished on time. It's it's laid out in our contract that if if you know something along the lines of like uh, act of act of God or force that we are excused from performing the contract based terms, right? But on the flip side, what um, the client is going to say is going to be like, listen, you may say that it was force force majeure, but it was never defined as force majeure. Um, like mm -hmm. you, uh, you know, the government didn't come, didn't come out and say, this is an act of God. There was no, there was no legislation that said this is an act of God. And you would go back and forth and you would like, like it would just depend on what interpretation the court would want to take on it. You know, mm -hmm. 
um, I mean, generally speaking, it's used to protect the person in the contract um, um, from like like one thing or another because it can protect the client too. It's like, listen, I wanted to pay you on time, but because of of you know the pandemic, um, the uh, the banks were shut down and I couldn't do anything about it. You know, so I couldn't pay you on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was force majeure. It, it just it just protects people from having to fulfill like elements Obligations. of the contract. Interesting. It, I yeah. I, so I yeah. I thought that force majeure is really just for anything that isn't defined, which is why this term is so vague. Really, like you know we we've thought of everything, um, but there are some things that are a unpredictable or b so like so infrequent like like a terrorist attack that um you know it's just not really captured within the contract so um if a pandemic was not captured as part of you know some some kind of term or or an exclusion in a contract like hey you still gotta do your fucking job if you know if the world is overrun with zombies um then you know that, that then then it's there but Outside of that, if it was never really defined as a as a possible exclusion or whatever, then it falls under this very very vague category, which I guess anybody can use as their defense and and yeah, take it to courts later. And I, I and now that you explain, it, I guess you're absolutely right that it's probably not worth it to to argue it. I mean, there's a, there's a number of different things that you can do, though, too, because like force majeure, it, it kind of is like the assignability of liability. But let's say there is a terrorist attack, OK, mm-hmm. hypothetically, mm-hmm. you know, and that prevented people from from um, finishing their contracts. But let's say the terrorists were sponsored by a state. OK, that's where it gets, com- gets complicated. Right. What do you mean? Like sponsored by like taxes? No, sponsored by like Libya. Oh, so let's say that there is an attack on, you know, I, I don't know, a banking building, and uh, there, there were members of the state like, from uh, that, you know, protected these people, shielded these people uh, from prosecution, you know, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So what was the intervening cause there? Well, the intervening cause was that there were these guys that, you know, planned the you know the disruption of this it was it was criminally negligent and they should have expected that it would break up uh like certain economic things that's not a that's that's not a force of god that is not force majeure that means you would have to sue you know the libyan government for being the principal and uh and uh you know to to and sending out its agents to break it up that's an intentional tort like you could, you can, you could, you know, seriously explore that theory because the liability is there. You know, if if the United States to to sue uh, Libya for engaging aging in terrorist activities, you could feasibly say that hey, you know, like I could sue them too because they destroyed my contract. It's it's kind of like a fine line. You need to, you you can be very very creative with force majeure, but like. Like terrorist attack, attack is a big one that I I know for a fact is is not force majeure. It's not a for, it's not an act of God because it's blame that's assigned that can be assigned to people. So kind of kind of one one way to look at it. If you can find something that like like for example, if there's a hurricane or something like that, 
Um, but you were, you knew about the hurricane for months ahead of time. You know, you knew exactly when it was happening and you took no steps to like, like, uh, shore up your storerooms to move your inventory, anything along those lines, lines. I mean, maybe that's negligence, you know, like if you knew about it, why didn't you do something about it sort of thing? Like you can, you can be very creative with it. And again, like your success generally depends on how creative your attorney is and how, how you want to allocate your resources in defending a claim like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, could, so could people sue the U.S. government then for possibly being negligent and not informing people of the coronavirus being a big deal? You can't sue the U.S. government for certain things. I think disaster handling is one of them. Um, if there's a specific agency uh, that was supposed to be handling it, then that's a possibility that you could sue the agency. But I think the United States itself uh, might be immune to that sort of stuff. Huh. Well, I, yeah, I didn't. I never would have thought that you, you wouldn't be able to do that. But um, shows you what I know, which is why I'm so glad we have you, Jeffrey Liu, the law expert on this pod, finally sharing some of your expertise for the first time, which is. Uh, which, you know, after 70 episodes in, we finally get to talk about lawyer stuff and not just, you know, our thoughts and feelings on, you know, shitty action movies. Yeah, my my $120,000 degree finally, finally paid off. <laughs> oh, man. Not really. <laughs> the debt is crushing. <laughs> we'll probably crush more uh, uh, as, as our economy tanks further. Um, exactly. Jeff, I know you got things to do. Thank you so much for your time today. Anything else you want to plug? I know you, you know you talked about Scratch Made Sundays before your uh, cooking uh, Instagram handle. Have, have you and Les uh, whipped up anything anything new during this home sheltering? You, you know, um, it's it's kind of forced us to be a little bit creative. Um, I mean, I've made a couple of things that. So the the thing that I really am proud of myself for is I made my own bread recently, my own sandwich bread because. There actually was a shortage at all of the different supermarkets right now. So I was like, well, I've got flour. (laughs) (laughs) How hard could this be? And, you know, um, it wasn't that bad. And then after I made bread, I took that bread and then I made burgers uh, using the bread that I had baked and then the hot sauce that I had made myself. And, like, um, you know, like – it was basically everything from scratch, which is, I mean, it's kind of cool because I really haven't done that uh, kind of like top to bottom on a meal. I've always used something that um, has been provided for exactly. And it, it makes, I don't know. I think, I think that if there's any silver lining to be taken out of this is that, you know, we, if you have the time, you, sh- you know, people should really learn to get back into the kitchen and start cooking again because I just think it's a phenomenal skill to have. And, uh, it, you know, it's probably going to pay dividends in the future, uh, one way or the other, you know, either, you, and oh, I've been saving just like a ton of money by not ordering out. Yes. You know, it, it, I mean, it's a combination of like paranoia about getting food prepared by people who, I don't know or um, whether or not they're safe or not. And, um, you know, just the scarcity of stuff that uh, is is available at local supermarkets right now. You just you have to be creative. And um, 
I don't know. It's just it's been it's been the one of the rare good things that has happened uh, so far based on this crisis. Well, then that's how the story that's the story of how the Liu Tu uh, catering company was born. Yeah, fuck no, never. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta stay open during crisis. <laughs> no, well, thank you. <laughs> Well, Jeff. Regardless, I, I hope once this all blows over, um, you know, and our our babies will have an opportunity to get together, and uh, you can make us some uh, hamburgers made from scratch. Hey, man, I'd be I'd be more than happy to. I would love it, and I'm looking forward uh, to the day when that finally is an option again. <laughs> all right, Jeff. Well, thanks for your time. Take care. Stay safe. I got my toes in the water, ass in the sand, not a worry in a world of cold beer in my hand. Life is good today. Life is good today. Adios and Viacondios, a long way from GA. Yes, and all the muchachas, they call me Big Papa when I throw pesos their way. A long way from GA Someone do me a favor and pour me some Jaeger And I'll grab my guitar and play